Hey, my podcast family, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Today's Monday, the beginning of a new week, and it's going to be fabulous. Why? Because you've placed your hand in the hand of Jesus, and He's guiding you. Let's get started. We're on Psalm 6, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my coat with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all of my foes. Away from me, all of you who do evil, for the Lord has heard me weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Oh my, it's clear, isn't it? David, who is the author of this psalm as well, is in distress. Therefore, we know that it is a lamenting psalm, right? I find the lamenting psalms most appealing because they really address the grief and anguish I've felt in my life. I don't know about you. And I believe it's important that when we read God's holy word, that we can identify ourselves in his word. It makes it more relevant. And lamenting psalms are very easy for you and I, I believe, to identify with. Would you agree? But although this psalm is a lamenting psalm, there is a tone of forgiveness in it. Can you hear it? It's right up front. My commentary says that this is one of seven psalms classified as penitential for penitent, penitential prayers. I mean, psalms, psalms that seek God's forgiveness. In the very first verse, David is acknowledging that he has done something that he believes has angered God, that he is pleading for God to not rebuke him for the sin, right? To not allow his wrath to shine down on him. What I could not identify with this psalm was whether, you know, the sin that David is asking um, for forgiveness for was actually the the rape of Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah. I couldn't find that. So, unsure exactly what sin it is that David is um, confessing. But if it would have been Bathsheba and, you know, the murder of Harai, we we would be more apt to understand, right? Um, That's why he's asking God not to, to rebuke him or to punish him. But it seems as though there's something else. But because we are still sinful, even though we don't have the sin nature, we're still going to make mistakes. Him asking for forgiveness is, I I don't want to say a big deal. It is a big deal because he's doing exactly what we all should be doing. 
I think it's wonderful to see David, the man, you know, named or coined after the, the man of God's own heart, acknowledging that he screwed up because we all do. But also then asking God, but please don't punish me as a result of it. Don't allow, don't, please, Lord, in your anger, don't, don't allow me to suffer the consequences. That's the discipline in the psalm. Don't, don't allow me to do that. And for those of you who have children, you know, when they've done something wrong and they come to you as David has, humble, you know, acknowledging, you know, what they've done, but then they say, but please don't punish me for it. Doesn't that just kind of melt your heart? Can you punish them after that? I remember my mother telling me she couldn't <laughs> with me. I didn't know that, but she said it was hard. David, after he confessed, you know, please, you know, do not rebuke me in your anger and have mercy on me, um, which is the confession. Then he goes into asking God, like I said, for the mercy and for him to restore, restore his soul. And so he asks for um, sub, um restoration because he's physically weakened and that's in verse two and then in verse three he's emotionally distraught he talks about the anguish that he feels he's spiritually separated he feels as though he's spiritually separated as a result of the sin and he's asking God to give him life and not death and then the ability to sleep so that's what sin does in our lives. It robs every aspect of our lives, weakens us physically, emotionally we're drained, physically we're separated from God, and we don't want to die in that, and we want rest. We want to be able to sleep. Now that David has confessed all of that, he's gotten it off of his chest, we see him not wanting to repeat it, not wanting to sin again. And so then you have in verse 8, right? He separates himself from the sin, the people who could cause him to sin. You know, he knows God has heard him and granted his request. And now he has confidence to move on knowing that God will avenge him. But I want us to jump back to now that David has confessed his sin and he feels renewed and restored, he separates himself from the area, from the people who helped him to sin or who keep sin in front of him. Who is that for out there today? There are some people who we name as friends, but they really aren't. I remember there was a an individual I was telling I'm like oh no I can't go shopping I'm like because I like to shop too much I've just paid off my credit card mm -mm, I can't mm -mm, that's kind of like my vice I can't go shopping with you and she was like whoop yep you don't want to go shopping with me because I tell you to buy it I was like even after I told she said oh yeah I tell you to get it anyway well you know what I appreciated her being real honest with me now I can give you one guess whether she and I developed a friendship. No, we did not. She would have she would have catered to and pushed me toward the very thing that I was trying to avoid. A friend does the opposite. A friend says, I'm like, ooh, I want to go shopping. A friend says, is this, your, is, is this the month that you're supposed to be splurging? Or is this the month you're supposed to be saving? Well, I'm supposed to, well, then we're not. That's what a friend does. <laughs> so... There may be people in your life that you have to set your, separate yourself from in order to remove yourself from the sin and the temptation.
I want us to know today that there is power in confession. And I believe that we've lost that within many of our evangelical Protestant churches today. Growing up, I remember um, when we would be called to the altar for altar prayer, right? The minister who would pray over us would spend some time on confessions, our corporate confessions. Granted, they had no way of knowing um, what all of us were experiencing. But as they opened themselves up to the Holy Spirit, they would identify areas of sin that we that were occurring within the body of Christ. And I know this because they would hit some of mine. <laughs> and I think, oh God, how did they? It wasn't them, it was God. And then I could confess it right there. I also remember doing Wednesday night prayer services where we would specifically pray and we'd ask for forgiveness and confess our sin. Now, of course, we're not like the Catholic tradition where they confess more formally and they confess to a priest. We profess, confess, I say, to our priest, Jesus Christ. We can confess our sins to him anytime. But sometimes you may feel the the weight of sin where you want to confide in a very trusted friend. Now, notice I say trusted because you don't want them to go and repeat what you've done or to the um, your minister or to a person of faith that you hold in high regard or who are in leadership. You just need to understand and make sure and be prayerful that when you go to that individual, that that is the individual that God is leading you toward. Because some people, even though they may be in ministerial positions, they still may not be mature enough in their faith walk to take you coming to them and confessing a sin without them either thinking ill of you, which they shouldn't because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, or taking your business elsewhere. And I know you've heard of instances in the church where people have done that and it's pushed them out of the church. And people don't come to church for that reason. That's why you need to be prayerful in the Lord. Confession is good. We need it. And the reason why we need it are three things. One, because when we confess, we are reminded how holy God is. That's the only way we know that we've sinned because we get thrown into the light of his magnificent glory. We confess because we understand just how holy he is. And we could never come into his presence without being in awe of his glory and his majesty. He is the creator God. He is the healing God. He is the all-sufficient God, the all-knowing God, the ever-loving God. He is the I am. He is everything. And recognizing how holy he is puts us in a position to examine then where we are standing next to him. Right? Wasn't it Isaiah who was like, ooh, I have unclean lips when he saw God high and lifted up. And then this leads us to the second reason why we need to confess, because then it leads us to look at ourselves, to do the self-examination. Often, we really think that we're all good, don't we? (laughs) We can point out all sorts of flaws in other people's eyes, but there's nothing going on with us. Nope, we're just fine. When you are asked to confess... And you ask the Holy Spirit to point out areas where you may be sinning, you will be surprised 
by the things that will surface. Things that will surface that you honestly didn't even know could be a sin to God. We like to concentrate on the Big Ten. But understand, we, we're sinful people. And because God is holy, we always fall short except for the blood of Jesus. I recently um, have come off of a fast and God pointed out to me that by my doubting myself, that I was in essence doubting him. Ouch, yeah, that hurt. And then when I heard that in my spirit, then the Holy Spirit brought Philippians 4.13 to my mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then God kept talking. So how can you doubt anything that you do when you're doing it in my strength? I felt like he was a little hot with me. (laughs) I was convicted. That was a sin before God, me doubting myself. Doubting that I could do something that he placed in my heart. Yeah, I was doubting him. So I immediately asked for forgiveness and was like, help me to get my act together, Jesus. Right? But no one would have ever thought that. I, I didn't think that. But he pointed it out to me when I asked. As you get closer to the refiner's fire, it's a little warmer the closer we get to the heat. (laughs) Those areas that we never, ever crossed our minds as being, you know, sinful or not pleasing to God. Once you get, you get, start getting closer and closer to the fire, that stuff gets burnt out, burnt up. But you come out looking so much like your Savior. So count it as a good thing when the Holy Spirit is bringing things to your remembrance of things that you need to confess and confront and stay away from. So we must look at ourselves and ask God, as David did in one of the Psalms that we've yet to get to, you know, search my heart, Lord. Third, confession brings about both, or not both, but three. It brings about release, relief, and healing. Holding on to sin can not only be spiritually heavy, but it can be emotionally heavy and physically heavy. As we see in David, right, when he talks about his bones are in agony, right? His soul is in anguish. Then he talks about, you know, God, the dead people can't praise you. I want to praise you, but I feel like I'm dying inside. I've been separated from you. I'm weak right? That's the burden of sin. But when you confess it, it's gone. And the dangerous thing about holding on to sin and guilt, you start to feel guilty and and spiritually you you may feel it immediately and then emotionally. But if you continue to hold on to it, it starts manifesting, manifesting itself spiritually, right? And spiritually, Its manifestation spiritually can be anything from headaches, back pain, blurred vision, stroke. All of those things can be caused by the stress of you living with something that God is like, if you just cast your cares on me and come and confess your sins before me, I will forgive you. Today, I want to invite you to take some time to sit with yourself, you and the Holy Spirit, and do some self-examination. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart 
and bring to surface those areas in your life where you're not walking in union with God. Because you have areas we all can improve. And then confess it to God and accept his forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of confession. To be able to come before you as your children. To not be afraid of your all-consuming power, but to relish and bask in your all-consuming love. For your mercies that are new every morning and for your compassion that you have for us. That we can come to you and just lay it out what we've done things that we know that haven't been pleasing to you, things that we've done that have not glorified your name. We thank you for allowing us to release it to you. And we release it to you because we understand that you are holy and you've called us to be holy as you are holy. That through you, we can live a better life. That through you we can seek to be sinless, even though there's still there will still be things where we there will still be times when we sin, but we can seek that and through your strength we can get closer to it each and every day. We confess, Father, that many of us have been so busy, so busy with caregiving that we really haven't taken the time to pause and say thank you. That we haven't taken the time to pause. And just to sit still with you. We confess, Father, that we may want more attention than what we're getting right now. So much so that we're neglecting areas in our lives because we we want to be placed first for a change. We confess growing weary of doing good. We confess it, Lord. We confess, Lord of not always wanting to do the right thing. Of wanting to kind of like act out of our religion. And as we confess this to you, Father, we thank you for being a God who isn't shocked, but for a God who's saying, finally, finally you're willing to admit it. Because you already knew. But the fact that... Once we admit it to you, then we can release it. You say that we can come to you all who are burdened and are laden and heavy burdened. And so we come to you this day, confessing that we're hurting, confessing that we need your guidance, confessing that we know that we've screwed up in various forms. And as each and every person who's listening to this podcast today goes and sits with you on their own, I pray, Father, that your spirit speak to them as only he can do to convict them in a gentle manner manner in those areas that you want them to confess. We realize that confession is good for the soul, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, my caregiving family, go in and confess those things that you know aren't pleasing to God and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you others and then I guarantee you will feel a lightness and a peace that you will have never experienced before you take care and go minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus bye